Benjamin Franklin said, tell me and I forget. Teach me and I may remember. Involve me and I learn. Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity. I'm your host, Spencer, and it looks like I just got out of bed. This is my beautiful wife, Nikki, and she looks like this when she wakes up in the morning. (laughs) And uh, we're so thankful that you guys are here with us today. We are bringing you part three of our discussion on discipleship. So just a quick recap here. If you have not listened to the other two episodes, I'll have those linked in the descriptions. Please go check them out. But in episode one, we talked about basically what discipleship was. You know, we looked at kind of the difference between a traditional Hebrew disciple and compared that to how Jesus discipled. We discussed Bonhoeffer's Bonhoeffer's views on the topic, as well as the Apostle Paul's. And then we also kind of touched on why we think this is such a deficiency in the American church. And then in episode two, we sort of focused on the disciple maker, the leader. And we talked about how everyone is called to be a disciple maker. You know, in addition to whatever other callings you may have in your life, you're called to be a disciple maker. And then we looked at what disciple making is, as well as how you should go about kind of making your disciples. So in my opinion, those are some pretty good shows. Go check them out. And then in this episode, we will be looking at it from the point of view of the disciple, the person being discipled. So before we dive in, baby, do you have anything you want to say? Just glad you're listening or watching and please like and subscribe to our channel and get on the Discord channel. And there's prayer requests up there. Put your prayer requests in if you have any. And you said you met someone today who had a prayer request that we could put on there. Yeah, we'll be throwing another prayer request up there today. And this one is from a young man who, uh, much like every young man, is struggling with internet porn addiction. And he needs our prayers. That is a um, battle that many a men have fallen to. So definitely lift him up in your prayers. And like she said, we'd love to have you guys on the Discord as well. And I just want to make a quick point. Like we have the Discord because our goal is to eventually have this show big enough in the community, strong enough that we don't need Facebook. We don't need YouTube because we want to get away from those godless platforms as best we can. And we want to bring people into this, our little discord, you know, community. That's Mm -hmm. just a a community of faithful people that we can interact day, day to day with each other and not, you know, feed the monster, if you will. So that's why we have discord and that's where those prayer requests will be. So go check that out. Anywho. Today, we are talking about being a disciple. So Mm -hmm. the first point that we wanted to look at was what it means to be a disciple. Mm -hmm. You know, in episode one and two, we kind of talked about how in sort of American Christianity today, we have this idea that you go from like an unbeliever to a Christian to a disciple to a disciple maker. Like this is some sort of progression that you follow. And that's not the case. The progression is you're an unbeliever. Then you get saved and you are immediately a Christian, a disciple, and a disciple maker. Yeah, that is, like when Jesus called his disciples, he just said, 
follow me. Like they immediately became disciples. Yeah. And, and then everything else came along later. It's like, do you believe? Remember how like Jesus asked them and they sure weren't, even, they weren't even sure completely. Is he the Messiah and John the Baptist too? Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely like, we just want to make that point. Like if you are a Christian, you are a disciple. That yes. It's not something that you did as a younger Christian and now you've moved past it. You know, I even read an article recently about C.S. Lewis and uh, they were mentioning that there was a time in his life when he was in his mid fifties, I think. And he had wrote to a friend. I don't remember the friend's name now, but he basically said like, Hey, I'm getting ready to go and go somewhere. And I'm going to be alone for a week. And I know melancholy is coming. And he was like, will you come and stay with me for the entire week? Basically like, I need mm. you to help me through this spiritual funk that I'm going to be in. Like, and that's C.S. Lewis. I mean, a Titan <laughs> of the faith in his later years. I mean, so discipleship never stops. Uh, I yeah. Mean, even, and it's like accountability too. Like what he was really bringing up is you need to be in continuous discipleship because when we're left alone, we, we stray away. Like we need a constant re person to remind us in our lives to stay in the straight and narrow every moment. Yeah. You never really. stop being a disciple. <laughs> so what it means to be a disciple kind of in the simplest terms, it's kind of one that adheres to the teaching of another, mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of the basic term. And then in a Christian sense, that basically means you're adhering to the teachings of Jesus. You're a follower of Jesus. That's the simplest term of, you know, being a disciple and, you know, much like everything Jesus said, it's not quite as easy as it sounds, right? Um, you know, don't commit adultery. Not as easy as it sounds, right? You got them wandering eyes, um, committing adultery, right? So not as easy as it sounds. And yeah, I just wanted to make my own sort of definition here for our podcast. And, you know, I kind of just wrote down here that, that in the context, you know, I think a disciple is someone who is actively seeking the guidance and instruction of a seasoned believer mm -hmm. on the way to living a Christ-centered life. So, you know, it's a little bit more in depth. Like I said, you're actively seeking this and you're going to a seasoned believer. You're not going to just a, a brand new believer to, you know, it's the same idea of like, if you're trying to quit being an alcoholic, you don't go to someone who just graduated the 12 steps or whatever of AA. Right. Like that's not the right guy to be your. I feel like if you're a new believer and you know the gospel and you shared your testimony and that person gets saved and you know, you're still weak in the faith and learning, you just take your friend and say, Hey, I'm learning from this person. And you can both be that more seasoned believers, disciples. So you don't have to take it on all on your own because you can also say, hey, I'm weak. I'm not able to teach you all the things because I'm still learning and bring them, at least bring them along to who you're following, who's discipling you. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, again, the apostles, right? Like Jesus called all 12 of them and they all learn together, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. But, you know, so that's kind of our definition of a disciple maker and you know, again, we kind of mentioned this because Jesus, you know, he calls his disciples to follow him. And I just thought like, you know, following is something that you have to purposefully do, right? Like if the person you're following gets up and leaves, you have to follow them, right? Like you, it's an act that you have to make. You have to do it with some effort. Um, so a disciple is someone that is like making this conscious decision to follow or mm -hmm. adhere to another person. 
Yeah. You know, so again, it's just kind of like you're seeking to grow in your faith and walk with the Lord through the teaching and guidance of a more seasoned believer. So, and we are always, I mean, I know we hear the term disciple and we think that applies to Christianity, but really, well, a disciple is someone who's learning from someone else. So, who is discipling you? Who's teaching you how to walk through life? I mean, it can be anything. I mean, whoever's teaching you in your job, you're the disciple because you're the learner. So, just you have to be careful with who you're um, letting disciple you. Like you don't even realize they are. Sometimes you're not consciously um, aware that someone is teaching you the Christian walk or anything in life. So you need to make sure who's discipling you is leading you (laughs) the right way. You need to pray for discernment and make sure that you're, you know, not being led astray a hundred percent. And, you know, with that idea of, you know, being a disciple, we want to look at like, when should your discipleship begin? And I know that may sound weird to a seasoned Christian or whatever, But, you know, not everybody is where you are spiritually or where we are spiritually. And, you know, people need to hear this. So um, we kind of made the point earlier, but your discipleship starts the second you get saved. Like you are saved. You are now a disciple. And well, the word of God will teach you if you don't have a person in your life uh, to disciple you. You know, we're in America. There's Bibles everywhere. It's not illegal, you know, to own one year. So take advantage of getting the into the word. The Holy Spirit is our teacher and God will not forsake his children. If there's not someone in your life right now to disciple you, I would just ask God to send you someone. But in the meantime, God is going to take care of you in his word. His word is sufficient and he will grant you the understanding and you'll see the way to go just through his word. But it is important to have someone, you know, iron to sharpen iron and confess your sins and weaknesses too. So don't try to be alone and, you know, learn on your own. Get, you know, connected with somebody. Yeah, definitely. And don't think that this is something that you can like put off like, ah, well, you know, once I kind of learn and I'm in the Bible, then I'll go and find a mentor or a disciple maker. Like don't put it off because you don't know the way you should go. And if you're off by yourself, you could be leading yourself down the wrong road. And then, like she said, kind of making sure that you find the right person to disciple you. You know, maybe you had that friend who led you to the Lord and praise God for them, but maybe they're not necessarily living life 100% the way they should. It's probably not the best person to disciple you. So you got to use that discernment and um, pray for God to kind of put that person in your path. So, um. The next one, next point that we wanted to make was just kind of what does being discipled look like? And I kind of wrote down here that the first and foremost, kind of the most important thing I think is it's not a once a week, you know, Sunday sermon kind of event. Mm -mm. You know, there's obviously extremes of discipleship and, you know, if uh, they're kind of like more formal um, discipling opportunities and in the book that I've been referencing a lot here, the biography on Dietrich Bonhoeffer, they kind of talk about how he basically led a monastery um, in a sense um, at the Finkenwald Seminary. And that was a very formalized 
form of discipleship where he, the disciples would move in with Dietrich Bonhoeffer and they would live there for months on end. And they lived with Bonhoeffer and he taught them, led them, but also interact. Like he led with them. He was right beside them in all the activities. So that was a very formalized kind of discipleship. And there's mm-hmm. opportunities like that still. I mean, I'm sure there's still monasteries in the world somewhere, but you know, there's like the CS Lewis Institute where it's kind of a distance learning kind of formalized structure of discipleship. So there's those sort of extremes of discipleship, but I How think- does that help with your, like, because if you're going somewhere to be discipled, but you want help in a certain area in like real life when you're not there, I just wonder how that you could be discipled, but you're not doing regular li- regular life. Yeah, where- I mean, the distance learning thing is kind of a new age topic, and I don't know that it's necessarily the best, I guess. I mean, hopefully you have somebody that's doing it with you or somebody, but whatever, that's just kind of a, an ancillary idea of things that are out there for discipleship. You would, in the, like, ideally you want somebody that's with you. Um, yeah. And, you know, for the majority of us, we can't do something like a monastery anyways, right? We have a family, we've got jobs. We can't just move to a, a mountain. <laughs> well, these are the kinds of things in life, like I need to be discipled in, you know, I can't go off and abandon life, you know, kids and job, you know, you know, homemaker and the people I do life with, because that's where I need discipleship. Because if you're off at this place doing discipleship at CS, the CS Lewis, when you're talking about your, you're not in your natural environment there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I just feel like I'm, that would be the challenge of it. That's why I think like in the real world for most of us, you want somebody that you know, somebody that's in your community. And, you know, that kind of the idea of what it should look like to be discipled is I think, you know, two to three times a week, you're probably going to church or around mm-hmm. church with this person or, and then maybe a Bible study in the week. And then the days that you're not actually physically with each other, you're on the phone sending text messages. And like, mm-hmm. it's a multiple time a week face to face with multiple conversations, whenever you're struggling with something or you're feeling weak about something, you're on the phone with them. And that sounds like a lot, right? Like, Oh, I got to be at church or whatever, like four times a week. And then I got phone calls and like, it is a lot, but like, you know, we look at 18 years old, you'll move to a university and you'll literally live there for four Mm -hmm. years, every day, every night, everything you eat, sleep, whatever is at this university. And that's just for a stupid Mm -hmm. job. You know, but like, this yeah. is your eternity and your yeah. work for the Lord. Like, there should be no bridge too far. Like, no amount of time where you're being discipled and learning this faith that's an eternal faith. Like, yeah. you know, you shouldn't look at it as a holy cow. I got to do this, and obviously, that's right. Just right. my idea. It's not a hundred percent of the time you got to be meeting with each other. I mean, life happens, and but that should be the idea. Like, we are physically around each other, constantly talking because there's different situations that arise every day. Like you can't just lay out a perfect plan of like, you're going to wake up, go here. And there's going to be a a woman in seductive clothing that walks by you. I want you to go to the right. Like things happen. Life is always fluid and you (laughs) need somebody that's by your side, that's helping you through these daily things. So I think even the discipleship part, I know we think about it like it's your responsibility because you led that person to the Lord. But also like the church, 
like when I started going to the new church we go to, I felt like a lot of the women in the church would reach out to me. So they all were collectively like discipling me. Although I wasn't a new believer, but they, they would call and text me and invite me to things like, and I loved it. I wanted, um, I wanted to be a part of the body of Christ and do life with people like that. Not just go to a Bible study or just go to church and only see them there. Like, and that, that was good. And that's kind of the idea that I have of discipleship where you collectively look out for the one new believer. If it's a small church, you know, if me and Spencer and another couple know a new believer in the church, we will all work together to help raise this new believer up in the truth. Because let's face it, like it is hard, like one person reaching out, you know, every day like for me, that would be hard because I'm busy with the kids and I don't know, life just gets distracting. And so I'll be like, hey, can, um, like I can ask a friend, hey, can you reach out to this person this day if you're not busy? And, you know, and that person already knows the other person you're talking to. So it wouldn't be awkward, you know. So I just think that's something to keep in mind about discipling a new believer. Yeah. And that's, you know, more from the disciple maker point of view and and this is probably, I should have mentioned, I mean, this is more of like a brand new believer where you're a seven day a week sort of disciple maker or a disciple. You know, obviously if you've been in the faith for a long time, you still should be a disciple. But yeah, maybe it's just that five minute phone call with a Christian friend and you share life with them and they, whatever, you know, it doesn't have to obviously be seven days a week, your entire life. It's going to change. And the more growth you have in your life, you know, the, the less you probably need someone to be discipling you endlessly and you're giving more out than you're probably getting in, in a sense. So yeah, I mean, that's a little bit different there. So yeah, yeah. I think, you know, that's, that's the way it should be as you kind of become a more But if I believer, was a new believer, you need it just constantly. this instant, like I liked what they were doing. I can yeah. just look at it from the other view. Like that's, that would be good for me. So believer. then the last point that we wanted to bring up and this is probably the hardest point, hardest thing about being discipled easily. And uh, I'm not sure if that's really the right way to say it, like hardest, but you should be discipled in every area of your life. And I think this is what leads a lot of Christians away from this idea of being discipled and why discipleship doesn't really exist in the American church. You know, they may want some discipleship in their prayer life, or they may want some discipleship for a rocky marriage, or maybe they want to be a pastor someday and they want to be, you know, discipled in how to lead a yeah. church kind of a thing. But like yeah. true discipleship is all encompassing, you know, like she talked about the disciples, they lived with Jesus. They went everywhere with them. And, you know, I kind of wrote down like the harsh truths that you need to be willing to face if you want to truly be discipled. And like, I wrote down, like, say you have the pastor as your disciple and would you be willing if you were the pastor's disciple for him to say, Hey, you know, Timmy, I was looking through the, our finances and I noticed you haven't been given as much as you probably should. So I'd like to see you bump your tithe up to 10 or maybe even 11%. You willing to accept that? People <laughs> running out of a church if a pastor talked to him that way, but you should, right? But confronting any sin that they see that they haven't confessed yet. Like, Hey, I noticed this. 
Yeah. Like yeah. what if he came and was like, Hey, that girlfriend you brought with you to church, she's no good for you. I'd like you to break up with her. I think she's going to hurt you spiritually. Like, or maybe that rocky marriage. And he says, yeah, well, you need to go home and apologize to her and be her servant for the next six months. Yeah. You willing to do that? You should, right? Like this is the idea of growing in a faith and you find someone that you trust is a seasoned believer that you should assume yeah. isn't going to lead you astray and you swallow that hard pill and you do it like, I mean, Jesus, you know, yeah. looked at Peter and was like, get behind me, Satan. And like, <laughs> man, that's a hard truth. And Peter could have been like, this dude's nuts. Like, I'm not listening to this anymore. Like, I don't need to be berated. I'm Peter. But he didn't, right? He humbly just whimpered away and his faith was built for it, right? Or built because of it. So I don't, I think that's a huge weakness with the modern Christian. Like we go to a church and the second the pastor preaches something that we don't already believe, we're like, I'm out of here. Like this dude's nuts. Oh, they're talking about praying in tongues. Well, I don't believe in tongues. Like, well, maybe you should, if you, if everything else this pastor said is, you think is spot on, but the one thing, like maybe you should check yourself, right? Like, yeah. And this is just one topic, but I think that's the way the American Christian works is like, I'm going to go to a church that already believes exactly the same way I believe. And the second Mm -hmm. that belief wavers, I'm not going to look internally. I'm going to go find a different church, you know? And we kind of just had this revelation, you know, we aren't big tongues speakers, in our day-to-day life, we've done it. We've prayed in tongues, but it's never been like a thing that we do all the time, but we were just kind of going for a run one day. And we're like every church we've ever gone to every pastor that we've ever loved. And that has been really beneficial to our life and everybody around us. They're all preach constantly about speaking in tongues, speaking in tongues. And we're like, maybe that's for a reason. Like maybe it's time to quit being, you know, stubborn about it. And like, you know. God keeps telling us this. So, Yeah. At least that's the way we felt. And, you know, I think that's something that if you want to be discipled, you got to have thick skin and you got to realize you're not right all the time. Yeah. Even just bringing up things, you know, the whole speaking in tongue thing, um, things that you're unsure of or that you have a conviction about and you don't know what to do. Like with us, we talked, you know, with, with our friends about it and said, just confessed we've been you know not diving into that we've been questioning and but it didn't make us not trust the people in the church or the pastor just because we didn't understand something we wanted to stay there because we knew that they they taught the truth and they do care about our our walk spiritually they they care about our soul and so that's what matters the most really that they care about our salvation and that's what you should look for in a who's discipling definitely so yeah if you're going to be a disciple you know the big things as we wrap this up is you need to be humble and accept correction you need to be active to find a leader to disciple you and it starts now (laughs) it starts right now you find that person and you allow them to speak into your life and guide you on this narrow path so as we wrap it up, baby, do you got anything you want to say? Um, I was going to bring up this Bible verse. I was just thinking about how um, 
even like the older women were told to teach the younger women. And that's kind of like, um, this was in Titus, like they needed to be taught things like, it says the older women, uh, be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to much wine, uh, teachers of good things that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet and homemakers, good, obedient to their husbands. Like these were things that the younger women like didn't know how to, it just like stuck out to me. Like you have to teach them to love their children and their husbands. And like, what were the details with that? Like what was going on then where the older women needed to disciple the younger women in the church. So I just thought that was a, a good verse to bring up about it. Yeah. So Definitely discipleship is a huge need in the church. In the church, yeah. Please like and subscribe and then stick around for next week. We've got some really good topics to bring up next week. One that's just kind of weighed heavy on my heart in the last couple of days. And then Nikki's going to bring a topic that's probably going to run all of you off, especially you women. It's probably going to drive you nuts, but stick around. It's from the Bible, so it'll be (laughs) beneficial to you. But... That's all we got for you guys. We love you. God bless. Dive into New Jersey's rich history and diverse heritage. From colonial reenactments and Victorian architecture, scientific breakthroughs to the Underground Railroad, we're the crossroads of the American Revolution, birthplace of the motion picture, and home to the oldest lighthouse in the U.S., Explore our historic museums, view maritime marvels, and travel insightful itineraries. Learn more at visitnj.org history.